Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Just a little clap. Just a tiny little clap. Just a tiny little clap. The tiniest tip clap. Was that a, oh, I've forgotten her name now. Maggie Smith, right? Isn't that McGonagall? Dame Maggie Smith, you, the one and only. You keep some respect in your mouth when you talk about it. I know. <laughs> I know, I really should. Now, Dame is like the, the knighted thing, right? That's the the it's, woman version of being knighted. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a, a weird uh, holdover of British royalty tradition uh, and so forth. Nobility, I guess, more so than, than royalty. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, Dame is the the modern, well, is the equivalent of knight for a man. I wonder if, you know, because like back in the day, the day, uh, they, you, they would, when you were knighted, you were given land, right? Yeah. And like ownership over that. I wonder if that's still like in practice, but now because like, you know, it's London, you know, it's England and everything's all whatever that they give you like a small plot of like a public park or something instead of like a full, like you don't get a farm anymore. They're like these, this two by two spot in yeah Wimbley park <laughs> is yours or whatever. I don't know. I mean, that would be kind of cool if you, if you get to be a knight and you get like a tiny sliver of problem. But then again, you probably end up having to pay taxes on it and like, that's how they get you. The, the, yeah. The fucking Royals there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Cause the, the Royal family still owns a shit ton of land. Um, I mean, technically, don't they own all of the land, or is that no longer a thing? Any, I mean, I think like in name only type deal. So there is land that they explicitly own, like sure. as in they hold the deed to it, and then there's the concept of well, like come and take it from us, motherfuckers. <laughs> the uh, it's the the Eddie Izzard skit. Do you have a flag? <laughs> <laughs> I love that skit. I uh, Eddie Izzard that whole like their whole stand up for that uh, that whole like bit which is dressed to kill is still in my top five oh, like yeah, favorite yeah. stand ups of all time. Like they did such a really good job uh, with that. Eddie Izzard, fantastic. I don't think I've seen uh, that one, but I know we've talked about it before because I know I, I know of your love for Eddie Izzard and uh, I, I I really I really love them. I I can't. Uh, I it is that stand up special is what is what really gets me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a really good one. So uh, speaking of comedians.
So today <laughs> we're, we're on our third movie, yes. right? Yes, we are. So this is our our third movie of found footage, uh, October, curated by the Super Pod Hero cast, uh, Casey Ryan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and this is the third film that he gave to us. Now, he said that these were going to be ramping up in scariness. But I'll be honest, I think last week's episode was scarier than this one. I, well, I disagree, but that's mostly because... We'll get we'll get there, but like most, we'll get there. Most, okay. Neither one was particularly scary to me. Uh, this one was scarier, but it it's more of a context thing than the subject matter. We'll say, sure, yeah. And uh, so this this uh, movie was direct. So this is my stand up special story yeah. before we get into the intro. So this movie was written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, who sure fucking was. And it sure was. Can I tell you uh, that I did not know that until after watching the film and reading like the trivia really? bits. Uh, I did. Okay. I, I I intentionally went in without reading anything about the film and either, you know, because because last week it got us like you know, actively looking for the, the gotcha moments. And so I was like, this time I'm just going to go, I'm just going to sit and watch this film. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, I'm going to go in with no prior knowledge. Uh, I didn't even, it, it, it didn't even occur to me looking at the, uh, the poster, what the film was going to be about until like, you know, it's pretty quickly you catch on what it is. I mean, uh, almost instantly, but like yeah. I didn't go in knowing that this was supposed to be a, well, it's a, it's a Bigfoot hunt. It is a Bigfoot movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I found out when, when I start a movie, I instantly pull up the IMDb and I kind of follow along uh, with that. It's easier for me to recognize the characters. So fun fact about Bobcat Goldthwait is he was born here in Syracuse. He grew up here in Syracuse and, uh, he grew up with his best friend, Tom Kenny, uh, uh, Kenny, who is the voice of among many other people, uh, SpongeBob uh, SquarePants. Oh, that's right. Or among other people, like he voices other people, you know, very famous people, Ice <laughs> King from Adventure Time, um, all sorts of other characters. But yeah, so Tom Kenny and Bobcat Goldthwait grew up together mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. here in Syracuse. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna recall this story based on how it was told to me. I don't know if any of it is actually true. I believe that it happened, but maybe not in the way that it was described, um, because I do know that the, the facts around this story. So my other mom, uh, her name was Ella. Uh, she used to manage the war memorial here in town okay. uh, all during the 70s and 80s. And uh, in the late 70s uh, and early 80s, uh, she had two young kids working for her, late teen, early 20s, by the name of Bobcat. And uh, Tom Kenny and Bob, you know, whatever his, his real first name is. Of course, of course. Yep. So they used to work yeah. for, the, like, Ella was their boss. Robert Francis Goldthwait. Robert Francis Goldthwait. Yeah. So, so Bob, Bob. Uh, and so uh, she was their boss. And uh, she described uh, them, one, as being a bunch of assholes, uh, which I think is very funny. Like, not assholes in the sense of, like, they were mean, but in the sense of, like, these 
you know, these, these assholes. you know, yeah, these assholes, you know, like, ah, oh, it's these assholes. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, recalled that they would just constantly goof around, right. They were always like, you know, just playing pranks on people yeah. or just, you know, you know, uh, kind of, uh, pissing off work and stuff like that. I believe it. And right. And so one day she fired them, but it was so bad that she physically by the collar threw them out <laughs> of the room of <laughs> <laughs> yep, like, the old timey cartoon <laughs> that's exactly what it was like it uh-huh. was it was literally you know like uh yeah old style like sh- collar and the belt of your pants that is very good yeah so that is the story that she says that she threw them out uh onto the ground to which bob bobcat supposedly said to her like like, you don't understand, like, we're going to be famous and I'm going to tear you up, like, in my stand-up act and, like, everyone's going to know about it and blah, blah, blah. And she was basically like, fuck off, because they were, like, 19 at the time, yeah. right? And, you know, she was like, I, be my you're guest, not going to do anything. Yeah, go for it. Also, if they were 19, no. that means it was roughly around the time that you and I were born. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So roughly, yeah. So it was roughly about that. Yeah. Cause it was, it had to have been late seventies. Uh, I know that because I know that Ella was the manager of the warm oil for, for just shy of 10 years. And she did it a little bit while I was alive. Cause I used to hang out with her there, uh, when I was like four or five, but anyways, so, so he says that to her, she basically, you know, tells him to go, you know, fuck off. And then like a couple of years later, whenever it was, Bobcat supposedly had an HBO special. He was part of some like stand-up special to which he told the story of getting physically thrown out by Ella. <laughs> I was like, this bitch threw me out of this story. <laughs> so that's that's my Bobcat Goldthwait Tom Kenny story. So apparently I, I have a very uh, a connection to them because basically my other mom uh, literally fired them and threw them out on their ass. That's amazing. <laughs> I love every second of that. Uh, you know, what's funny to me about Bobcat Goldthwait is that I have known about him for forever, uh, and you knew that he was, he was a hometown boy. Um, no, he's a comedian. No, he's been in a lot of shit, have seen a lot of shit with him in it. Uh, without rating his IMDb profile, I could not name you a single thing that I've seen him in. And even reading through his IMDb profile, I'm like, I don't remember him being in any of these. So like... Is this my memory failing or is this a Mandela effect thing where like, I feel like I remember Bobcat being a much more prominent figure in our youth. And then I look back and I'm like, no, I wouldn't have watched this. I wouldn't have watched that. I would, I never heard of this. Like no fucking clue. I'm completely at a loss. I think he showed up on TV spots a lot. Um, because he had that very distinct voice, yeah. right? You know, Bobcat had the very, you know, for, for those of you who remember, Bobcat had a very distinct voice where it was constantly breaking up and cracking and stuff like that. Like, that was his voice. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, his kid, the character voice that he plays, he doesn't really sound like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, though. Like, I mean, I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, Police Academy, you know, these other things, uh-huh. uh, you know, his more recent, uh, well, not more recent, but, uh, you know, a really great movie he did as World's Greatest Dad with Robin Williams is, is one of those, like, dark comedy films that Robin Williams did that everyone was like, well, that's not you know, Robin Williams being silly. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, but I feel, no, I, you're right though. I, I feel like he was just on TV always. Yeah. It's like, he's like, I just always always remember hearing his voice, but like, I, I just, I, 
I couldn't tell, I couldn't name you a single thing prior to reading this. And even still, I'm like, all right, I've watched all of Bob's burgers and he's been a couple of voices in that, but don't remember it. Uh, sure. You know, Aqua Teen, Police Academy, Adventure Time. I don't you remember. Mean, Police Academy, Adventure Time. I don't remember yeah. any of this shit with him being in. I, <laughs> I don't remember. Be, I, I can't think of where you, uh, like the character he would have played in Adventure Time, but obviously I watched the Police Academy movies. Yeah. I remember him very distinctly from those films. I think that's probably the one thing that yeah. if you were like Bobcat Goldthwait, I'd be like, Police Academy. Obviously, that's even like, like that's the thing I recognize him from. Even looking through his, his like photos on his profile, like I recognize him but like i don't recognize him as like a character that i would know it's really Maybe weird he was like on mtv a lot or yeah, something i don't you know i don't know it's really really weird and like yeah I just I, I feel like he was a much bigger deal I, I don't know i don't know maybe it was just because all you were hearing were uh throat noises outside <laughs> of your tent <laughs> and that being said hello and welcome to the never of a podcast i'm your host michael fight i do not believe in Bigfoot. Okay. All right. I just don't. So, <laughs> so we're, we're here talking about the movie Willow Creek, which is available uh, streaming for free on Tubi TV. Uh-huh. Um, this was... This was a very interesting movie, and the facts about this movie, like the fun facts about this movie, are actually kind of interesting, and they, they, I think they add a little extra to the film. I almost think that the trivia about the film is more interesting than the film itself. Uh, I will agree with that completely. And when I say almost, I mean I have definitively made up my mind on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot tell you that... In any film we've ever watched, give or take maybe a few, like Cannibal Cop or something, um, in which so quickly in watching the movie that I'd be like, can't wait for that guy to die. Uh, <laughs> because the main character, the one of, there's two characters, there's, there's a husband and, or a boyfriend and girlfriend team, Jim and Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, who are, uh, the, the main characters of this movie and the husband, Jim played by Bryce Johnson is the worst person I think I've ever like seen in my life. Oh my God. So, okay. Immediate first impression as this dude is fumbling with the camera and like, he's kind of like, he's, he's hanging it, like aiming it at her and he's talking off camera and he's really like awkward sounded and really stilted and whatnot. I was like, listen, dude, like you, you have to understand the comparisons this is going to draw. And I'm sorry if I'm the first one to tell you about this, Bryce, uh, but you sound like you're, you're filming a porn right now. You really do. You really <laughs> he like totally did that yeah. like super awkward ad libbed talking to your girlfriend and being a little bit kind of, kind of a, not, not full on you know, sleazy, but a few times a little bit sleazy. And it's just sleazy. like, just the way he's talking was like, it was just so demeaning to her, like yeah. for the whole first half of the movie, where it was like, "Oh well, you're blah, blah, blah you know, you're stupid," and I'm like, "Yo, chill, man. Just this like, is your girlfriend. Like this is this is the worst reality porn setup I've ever heard. We're going out in the woods to hunt Bigfoot. Yeah, sure, buddy. We know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is actually a porn called Bigfoot's Wild Weekend. Oh, I don't. I, uh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> so, but let me tell you why I know that. Um, <laughs> This is a this is an okay story. Okay, and the reason is because that the extremely edited version is on Tubi TV. Of course, it is because Tubi does that thing where they have uh, sexless porn. 
Yes, <laughs> and and Amazon Prime does this a lot too uh, because Amazon is very heavily edited. By the way, that's the other thing that's kind of annoying about Amazon is they edit um, almost all of their stuff. That's weird. Um, uh, kind of like Walmart used to do with CDs. That's, do you remember yes. that? Like that big yes, that they, is where they would cut this. Very weird. Yeah, just dis- disagree. Um, weird you know, like censorship. But anyway, so so Tubi has a whole bunch of these porn movies where they literally edit out, like the minute somebody starts taking off their clothes, it just sort of fades into the next scene and then they're putting their clothes back on. Mm-hmm. And they're only like 40 minute long movies because, you know, they cut out, they cut out all the, the other action parts. Yeah. But it's the funniest things to watch because of the way the edits go. Because it'll be like, Oh yeah, big boy. Why don't you show me? Well, anyways, so that was good, and uh, so we're gonna go off and do this. Pl- and you're like, wait, what the fuck happened? Like, it's just the weirdest thing in the world. But Bigfoot's Wild Weekend. Uh, I remember I was like, well, I'm gonna watch this because this looks insane. And I remember watching it and being like, like without, like I'll be honest, to you without all of the sex part, the movies kind of don't make sense. <laughs> like <laughs> because because it's like. You, you I, I feel like you miss a lot of context of like what is happening between the characters. You, you do such a weird thing. when when you're missing out at the point that the like they're literally only in the same room so that they can fuck like that. So that yeah. So like any everything else is just like it's, it's set it's up. Like, what are we set doing up and tear here? Tear down, I, man. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's every joke without the punchline. Uh, 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 <laughs> there is a moment in in this film, late in the film, where it feels like they're going to like just do a full on uh, sex in the woods scene, and she does yeah. that like, oh, you got to turn off the camera, Mister, and he's like. Beep, pretends to and she's like no really so he does uh and it like that feels to me like what what watching one of those would be like like you know they're just about yeah. to do it and he turns the camera off and he turns the camera off that's exactly yeah it, this, and also this movie so content warning about this movie there is swearing in this movie um there is implications of violence but you never see it that's true but there is nudity and it's both both times is really freaking weird. It's very both strange. Both times the movie is like, why are we doing this right now? Especially the last bit of nudity. It's just like, what what is the <laughs> point of this? Like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But the first time uh you see Jim and uh they they like stumble across like a, a swimming, like a little small swimming hole area, and Jim gets fully nude and jumps in, and you do see uh that he is naked. You can see through the water and you see him jump in. It is very clear um, water. I mean, like it very is. Pristine. It was very clear water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jim, you were hiding nothing. Um which is another funny thing because like she was like well, we're not going to do any of that on camera. But the minute he goes skinny dipping, she's like, let me zoom, zoom into that shit right <laughs> she's there. She's like, yeah, baby, that's the yeah. stuff. And Let's then do he, it. <laughs> she's like, should I get in? He's like, nope. <laughs> nope. No, no. I think it was very it funny. It is very cold. Um, so, so the plot of this movie, as listed by uh, IMDb, is a man and his girlfriend camp in the woods to capture firsthand evidence of Bigfoot, right? Um, sure. And this movie is set... Uh, Willow Creek is the uh, is the location of the famous 1960s Bigfoot footage. But is it though? Because when they're interviewing the one guy, he's like, "Oh no, you got to go up to Bluff Creek for that." <laughs> and it's like, "Okay, so the whole thing is about them going to Willow Creek, but like, that's not even the right place." 
Or is it? But I think that they do end up going to that area because they they do shoot in the spot where the where that foot where that uh, video took place. Yes. Like you do very clearly see that like creek area and the wood area that they, that he was walking. Well, and the the filming location is listed as Willow Creek, California, and um, the like one of the the tidbits about it when they camp when they do set up camp for the night it is in the actual like base camp area where the um, I forget their names, but the the guys who made the the famous like 1967 video Bernard footage. Bernard and Gimlin or something like that. Like Patterson Gimlin. It was, yeah, Patterson it, Gimlin. Yeah, Patterson yeah. Gimlin. 1967 okay. Patterson Gimlin footage, uh, or PGF as it's sometimes referred to. <laughs> Nerd. But like, yeah. So the whole setup. You know, they they start out in the car and they're getting their their footage together, and then you know they make a few stops along the road, and of course every single. Uh, every single scene that they shoot uh, has to start with like a YouTube intro, like "Hey guys" or "What's up, everyone?" or "Yeah." And I'm like, "Why? It's your boy. Why would you? Do- You're not live right now. Like, why would you in- right. like intro yourself every scene?" But anyway, this whole setup as they're doing that feels like we are watching a slow motion breakup. Like this, these, this couple. It was totally. probably like. Coming to an end anyway, and they were they were winding down, and this trip is what was going to like finally do it because there's just there's all these like weird moments of tension, you know. He's like you know, really drilling her like, how come you can't believe? And she's kind of like, I don't really understand why you do, but like I'm here to help out, but like I don't want to be doing this. I'd rather be in L.A. because I want to be a filmmaker. And he's like, I could never move to L.A. And it's like, okay, these two are definitely done. Right. I mean, they just shit on each other's like big passions, yeah. like in the car, because she's like, "I think this is stupid, mm-hmm. and I'm only doing this because like uh, I love you, and I want to do this stupid thing." And then he's, she's like, "You know, I'd rather be back in L.A." And he's like, "Yo, fuck L.A., mm-hmm, a bunch of mm-hmm. losers." Blah, blah blah. I can never live there because this reason. And then she's, you know, just like, "Then why are you yeah. like this?" Sounds like very incompatible people, yeah. like fundamentally you want two completely different things which i wonder how much of that is really a product of if you you saw in the the trivia i'm sure um these two met each other basically like on the car ride to the filming location and were given like a 25 page outline not really a script and so uh if you remember a couple episodes ago i conjectured like it feels like a lot of found footage stuff is just kind of like you're given directions and told to improvise. Uh, and Bobcat says that like roughly like 80% or so of the dialogue in this film is improvised. And so like that really could be, I mean, you, you have a film that starts out with two people who don't know each other at all. And like the, like they just kind of like get it like great on each other. And I think that this, that's interesting. And I wonder how much of that is a product of like, they're trying to like still feel out who each other is and like making yeah. up dialogue on the fly, and they're just like, I don't know, because I don't know you yet. Yeah, you know that also brings up an interesting point, and and I don't know the answer to this question. Do you think so? You know, r- real films. You know, like when we made our film and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like you shoot everything out of order, right? Yeah. You you order it based on location. I wonder if they shoot these sort of films in order because they're basically in the same location the entire time and just to keep that sort of momentum going. I wonder if they shoot it in order just to kind of make it feel like it, it grows. That would make sense. I mean, like that one, you know, you're, I feel like you're typically operating on a pretty shoestring budget and with like, you know, 
lower quality camera equipment and whatnot. And so the more you can just do it linear and worry about it later, the more authentic it's going to feel. Um, sure. I could see like some of the weird like roadside stops or some of the interviews and stuff like that being pickup shots later. Uh, but I feel like you kind of want the the primary progression of your action to be as like uncut as possible. Uh, and so it makes sense just to do that in order. And like, that's going to help the characters like kind of start to understand what their motivations are and like, like stay in that feeling of what's happening. So um, less so with this, because it's more like, it, it's really like backloaded with the, you know, the action all happens in the last like, 20 minutes or so, but yeah, something more like, uh, you know, we'll reference it constantly. I'm sure the Blair Witch project where like you have a bit of setup and then like the, like it just gets going and that tension ratchets up and ratchets up and ratchets up. It feels like it would be kind of too weird to try to do that out of order. You want that to feel natural. Like the characters are slowly like slipping and they're feeling lost and they're getting scared uh, and I, I, you know, I, obviously, I don't know the answer to how it was filmed, but it feels like it was more linear. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with the with the ad libbing too, especially with an ad lib, like it'd be really hard to keep track of yeah. like continuity and stuff like that if you're constantly ad libbing. Like, you know, in, this is a great example. We get a lot of, you know, she talks about wanting to be in LA. You know, they talk about things they've done in their past and stuff like that. And if you're ad libbing that and having to go back and reference that later, I feel like would be really tough. But I don't know. We don't know. Maybe they did shoot this you know, a traditional film style and bunched it up based on locations. And like um, for a lot of it, because they're, they're, they're going camping. So they're essentially wearing the same clothes through the, the entire uh, thing. So like that makes keeping track of wardrobe pretty easy, but like yeah. as events go on, theoretically they're going to be more and more dirty and disheveled and whatnot. So I feel like it would be harder to be like, Oh, okay, we're going to see film this, you know, nighttime scene where you're running through the woods and you're scared for your life. And then we're going to, you know, shoot this happy daylight scene where you're interviewing a guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, so this film is kind of, it It, it, it kind of lives in two parts, right? So the first part is the majority of the film, which is them getting to the location mm -hmm. uh, of where this site is. So, they're, so they're, the whole plot, of, you know, he's going camping. They want to go to this traditional Bigfoot site. In his mind, he's making a video about him you know, going to see this site and potentially, you know, finding footage of Bigfoot. Her mind is she's going camping with her boyfriend. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's all she's in her mind. She's just like, I'm going camping with my boyfriend. And that's that, you know? So, uh, I think that's, that's where the two mindsets are. And we get that sense, you know, feeling throughout the film. Yeah. So the first part of the movie, the first majority of the movie, the big chunk of it is them making the rest stops at all the Bigfoot, you know, tourist, uh, spots. Like there's the diner, there's the, the little shop, there's, you know, they interview a couple of people along the way, you know, and, and uh, and then there is the actual part where they are camping, camping, yeah. and have the encounter um, with with whatever. Which, uh, the all of the people that they interview for the well, for the most part, most of the people they interview are credited as self. So it genuinely feels like they just grabbed randos and asked them to tell Bigfoot stories. And I'm like. I would love to know more of the, the background for this. If these were actors and they were told like, all right, your character, you've had a Bigfoot sighting go, or if they were real people who had these stories, uh, you know, real or made up, it doesn't matter. Uh, but like either way, it just like it, they felt 
naturally awkward on camera. And like it 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 worked in a weird way. Like I hated every second of it, but I'm like, this this kind of <laughs> feels like what it would be like if these two randos that like everyone in town thinks is a young married couple rolling up with a video camera out on a camping trip. Uh, if they just started asking you questions about Bigfoot, like this is what it would feel like. Yeah, it definitely has that that like uh, natural feeling of like an interview. Like you know, I was watching you know News Nine, and they you know pulled someone over about a fire and was like, "Tell me what you think about the fire." You know, like mm-hmm. it is very much like you like you just literally just said. <laughs> um, but like it, it does feel like not actors. Uh, in real people. So I wonder if, I mean, this is a, you know, obviously this area is, is a touristy area. Mm-hmm. You know, all the th- Bigfoot stuff we see is real. It is real stuff for this area because this is a very famous site in real life. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there was um, the... So I guarantee all of that. Patterson Gimlin film was, was set there. Like, the the Pacific Northwest is, is a hotspot for Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever, hunters. Uh, a lot of lore is set there. I mean, I think of, you know, read Max Brooks, Brooks's uh, Devolution. It's set up in in that area but in in washington is uh well yeah in washington stuff california um the i mean incident in ape canyon go back to the storyteller series the episode that, yeah. I, that I got to narrate uh is set in uh in oregon somewhere uh and so like that whole area i mean it it makes sense why uh, so much of the bigfoot lore is set here because it is dense largely unpopulated like ancient forest and like there, there's a spooky element to it. There's a, a, a huge, like, unknown element. Like, you know, nature is vast. Nature is, is varied. Uh, anything could be here, and we just haven't discovered it yet. Sure, I get it. Um, and, of course, you have, a, you know, a rich indigenous history in, in the area as well, where their uh, oral traditions would contribute to some of the lore and does. Um, but I still don't think it's there. <laughs> well, I mean, we we know for a fact it's not there um, because so this film is set in 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we know for a fact in 2018, um, the man who killed Hitler uh, then went on uh, Calvin Barr then went on to kill the Bigfoot. So there is no more Bigfoot. That is uh, because an excellent callback, sir. <laughs> excellent. I. Uh, whenever anybody ever asked me, like, what's the weirdest movie you've ever watched but you loved, it's always The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot, because it was one of those ones where I expected the worst movie yep. and got one of the best movies yes. I've ever seen. I think it was the surprise of, like, oh, shit, this is a really good movie. Yeah. And then even, like, when it goes completely off the rails at the end and he's fist-fighting Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> Literally fist-fighting Bigfoot. It is still, like... Okay, this is bonkers, but this whole movie has been so good. I'm willing to excuse this absolute bonkers moment because you know what? I'm I am entertained because uh, you're entertained. Yeah, like, oh, poor Bigfoot. I, I do think it, it's interesting that uh, Bobcat made a conscious choice in this film to do the opposite of what the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot did where like, you know, we have that scene where he's actually fighting someone in a Bigfoot suit. And it's like, it's very, yeah. it's, it's very obvious. I mean, that's the kind of thing, like even with a really, really good effects budget, I think you're still going to have trouble making an eight foot tall ape person, uh, look realistic on film. I just, I, I, I think you're going to struggle with that. Uh, and Goldthwait recognized that the scariest monster is the one you don't see. Yeah. And so like yeah. that that's 
one really, really interesting thing about this film is that they made the choice to never actually show you a Sasquatch on film. And I liked that. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, also in the trivia, you know, Bobcat uh, specifically calls out like, you know, uh, listen, you know, the Blair Witch Project is what made found footage films uh, popular, yep. right? Like it is, it is solely responsible uh, for that. And, you know, he even says like, you know, one of the things that the mistakes that everybody makes is they try to reinvent uh, they tried to do something different yeah. instead of emulating the things that made the Blair Witch Project really good. You know, he's like, listen, man, you know, he, you know, he says very clearly, like, you know, you can't, you can't go make a found footage film and then be like, well, I'm not going to do anything that the Blair Witch Project did right or the reason why it became popular. Yep. You know, I'm just going to ignore that and try to be different. It's like, no, you, you kind of have to call that. You kind of got to do that stuff that made it popular, which is not showing it. Yeah. You know, like that's another thing about the Blair Witch is you don't ever really see the Blair Witch. Like you don't ever see the witch. You just get fucking creeped out the whole movie well, and then shit goes down and that's the end. All of those scenes when they're out in the forest, either like stumbling around or running for their lives or whatnot. And you see shots of like the, the stick, the figures hanging from the trees or whatnot, yeah. like all of the like you hear the noises all around and the camera's moving this way and that and you're always looking looking like expecting something to be there and nothing ever jumps out at you nothing ever like appears on screen is like ha ha surprise motherfucker uh yeah. and sergeant dokes isn't waiting in the woods for you um, <laughs> but, uh, and like but he might be that, so but just he, be careful he could be the whole time he could be, and that's what makes it so scary. And yeah, they they did that really really well. And like, I I feel like it becomes a completely different movie once they get to the the campsite. Um, so we should we should cover the the rest of the lead up to that, and then and then get into it. So they they finally after all of their their weird you know person on the street interviews, and they talk to the the weirdo at the the shop, and they talk to the the person whose daddy took him out took them out hunting as a kid, and they saw it, and they they talk to the old ranger who was like, oh maybe don't say that I'm a ranger, uh, <laughs> yeah randomly, and the person whose dog got ripped in half, yeah. like that was the most fucked up story. Oh my god, very <laughs> fucked up. Uh, and then of course they, they, they make their way out, you know, hours down the road and up into the woods and off onto this trail and whatnot. And they're just about to the site. And of course, along comes Bucky Sinister. Fucking Bucky Sinister, man. (laughs) Whose name is that? That is, uh, one of the best names that I have ever, ever heard. And if I had not recently adopted Sabrina Buckets as my online persona, uh, I would be fighting <laughs> Bucky Sinister to take his name. <laughs> uh, Bucky Sinister definitely stars in a movie that has been edited down in uh, on Tubi. Oh. That's uh, that is that type of name. Uh, yes. He doesn't actually, <laughs> but, but that is that that is that type of name. But he definitely would. Yes. Uh, yeah, he definitely would. But Bucky Sinister, who plays Angry Man at Road, uh, comes by and like you know, like gets in their way of the car and like yells at them like you got to get the fuck out of here. Like I suggest you turn around and and take your back to fuck off cafe <laughs> <It's just> like <laughs> Which, really like bucky sinister was having a good time with the, this role he really was very aggressive but it was it worked out uh you know that combined with a, a you know couple people in town warning them like you shouldn't go there you should definitely stay away it's like all right is there like a human element here and 
There's a little tidbit that I, I'd missed, but you can find it in the trivia that apparently several of the characters uh, are wearing the same necklace. And Bobcat wanted it to be like, you could imply that maybe there was some sort of connection to the town. Maybe they knew more than they were letting on, which is interesting. It's not explored at all. Uh, not and even so slightly. It's it, not even brought it's up. It's not mentioned. Yeah. It's not hinted at. It's just a detail you have to be looking for. Uh, and I was not. So I feel like there is potentially <clears throat> a really interesting subplot that is just not there at all. Uh, yeah. But he, he he chases them off. And, of course, at this point, Kelly's like, we should just fucking leave. Like, I didn't want to be here to begin with. Multiple people have warned us away. That guy threw a rock at our car. Maybe yeah. we should just fucking leave. And Bryce is like, or Jim, I'm sorry, Bryce is the actor. Uh, Jim's like, yeah, but you know what? There's another road, and just just goes on. And then, of course, they have to, to do a long trek through the woods because, of course, you can't get close enough by car. Of course, they have to be even further isolated uh, on top of not having cell service, which I love that she calls out. That's how every horror movie starts. Yep. Kelly with the the, the very uh, on-brand, like very on-point uh, observation there. Uh, and they finally get to their campsite, and they set up and... That's when he takes her off to go see the the swimming hole. They come back, and of course, their campsite is trashed. Which, to me, if angry guy yelling and throwing rocks at my car wasn't enough to send me home, which it would have been, uh, the the wrecked campsite absolutely would have been. That would have been a hard nope right then and there, turn around and leave. I mean, she even makes the point of being like, look, man, there's two options. Either angry townspeople are like trying to run us off and may potentially kill us or it's a bear that is trying to come after us and will kill us either way we end up dead we should not be here anymore like she makes two very reasonable conclusions and he's like nah that's fine yeah this, mm, jim jim what the fuck uh so then we get what i think is probably it, it like it's corny. It's not necessarily good, but one of the most interesting scenes from the whole film, which is a roughly 18 minute single shot, single camera angle from inside the tent, uh, which was apparently, I think it was a one take uh, thing. It was a one take. Yep. 18 minutes long. And I think that that was, that was really well executed where they have this moment where he turns on the camera and they're, they're talking, you know, they do a lot of that where like they, they film themselves just talking normally, which I feel like you wouldn't really do if you were out making a documentary because that's not footage you're going to use. And all you're doing is right. using battery and film uh, that could be put to better use, but whatever. I'm not here to judge. I mean, without it, we don't got a found footage film. Though. Exactly. That's, I, need, I need my expedition dump somehow. That is <laughs> the, I dump. think the single biggest flaw in found footage films is that you have to have those expedition dumps that then kind of take away some of the, the reality of it. Uh, but you know what? Whatever. Maybe, maybe that's how other people would do it. And I'm just, I'm the weird one. That is entirely possible. <laughs> but anyway, so it's at the camera and the, like, we have this moment where everything shifts and like where I was like, you know, we are definitely watching a breakup. He, this guy is so fucking confident. He fucking proposes to her and she's like, maybe we try to live together first. And he's like, it's what? So live together awkward. in LA. She's like, yes. He's like, fuck yeah, let's do that. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. I, well, first off, 
why are you proposing to someone you don't even live with? Like, how long have you been dating where you don't even live with each other? Mm. Like, look, man, I know that's a more modern thing, I guess, but, like, not that modern. It really isn't. It really, and especially if they're living near L.A., like, close enough where she would be want to be moved. I mean, like, this isn't obviously, you know, they're not going from Syracuse, New York to L.A., you know, like, they got to live somewhere near L.A. How are you not living with each other already just because it would be cheaper? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a- after that, uh, you know, they, they agree to the, the moving in together thing, which I think, you know, good for you kids. Like that's the right next yeah. step because you're going to find out real fast if you can stand each other. And I think the answer is no. Uh, it's definitely no. <laughs> but so then of course they have the moment where they turn the camera off and do the sex. Uh, but then of course the camera turns on, the light turns on and he's like, did you hear that? And thus we have our nighttime, uh, camp attack scene where they they're they're sitting and listening and occasionally you hear like wood knocking together and you hear hoots and hollers out in the woods and he's like it's it's wood knocking she's like it could be a tree falling or anything he's like you know or she's like it could be a bear he's like a bear picking up a piece of wood and knocking it into another she's like i don't fucking know man it's it's late i'm tired and then you hear the hooting, which <clears throat> I first thought was just like owls. And then I was like, nope, that's definitely people. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah. And he's like, you hear that? It's, I think it's vocalization. She's like, what do you mean? <laughs> which was, I, I think one of the greatest lines in the film is like, it's vocalization. She's like, vocalization? She's like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? I just love she's the realist throughout the whole film where she's just like, that, what? That doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, based on the noise that it makes, it is literally just a person whooping, yeah. you know, like, whoop, 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 you know, and like, I would put the two and two together and be like, well, all of these backwoods country people tried to run us out of here. Now in the middle of the night, we're hearing sounds that sound like a human. It's probably all those people like, you know, any other person I think reasonably either would just fuck off yeah. or be like, okay, like you got us, we'll leave, shut up. You know, like, stop trying to scare us or whatever yeah. like that. But neither of them jumped to that conclusion at all, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, like, that. it feels so obvious. Like, it, it feels like that would have been at least something that would have occurred to Kelly. Like, Jim is going to be yep. so deep in it that he's just like, this is, this is my proof. This is what I'm here for. Uh, but Kelly, like, she would recognize, like, no, they were trying to run us off. We should, like... At the very least, we should acknowledge them and maybe like, you know, maybe do the thing where like you're supposed to, like, I don't actually know if you're supposed to do this with bears, but you know, like they say with certain type of bears, you make yourself big and loud and try to scare them off. And like, you know, maybe you try to do that and be like, hey, we hear you. Like, we got a gun or something like that. And, yeah. But like, no, nope, yeah, definitely. Yeah, she, she doesn't even, yeah, doesn't even think she's just like, nope, it's clearly Bigfoot. Um, but yeah, I think with bears, you're supposed to stand up and spread your arms out wide. That way it's easier for them to get to the internal organs. Yes. You want, you um, want so them to kill to you faster. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so just open your chest cavity as wide as possible. So they just get straight to it. But like uh, he thinks it's, it's Bigfoot. She uh, at first just thinks it's noises around the forest, but when they get close and like things start to hit the tent, uh, which is very clearly like rocks being thrown at it or like, at some point, like something like you hear something walking around outside and something like knocks into it, like it's a, a paw swiping in or whatnot. That is either 
to me would either be a human or a bear. Uh, either one of which, like being that close to the tent, is scary. But then, like when she shrieks, like out of fear, it like seems to retreat at first. So it's like, oh, okay, like these things, whatever's out there, like we could scare them off. But they don't do that at all. They just like huddle closer. And I'm like, like you, you were warned that you were not prepared for this, and uh, you you are not prepared for this at all. <laughs> you were not, and you're not even taking like the clues that are being given to you of like, oh, we should be screaming because obviously it doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. But but it all kind of turns though because at first it's just like whoop and banging and stuff like that, and then it is a low guttural growl, which again is very like, obviously a person making the noise. Yeah, well, it's Bobcat Goldthwait yes. is the one who's making the noise. So, so the uh, the trivia about this is this is an 18 minute long scene, um, but the the uh, uh, Jim and Kelly did not know the sounds that were going to happen. Mm-hmm. They just knew that something was going to happen, and it's Bobcat Goldthwait making it. But ha- he has monitor in so we can hear them talking, so we can react based on how they're reacting, and do more. So most of this, uh, let's say, is probably improvised as to how they react. Yeah. And the sounds and things that uh, we hear. Which I think did make that scene feel more authentic than most of the film. And I, I think that's what part of what makes it so interesting to me and makes it stand out from the the bulk of it. Like the the whole like first like almost entire first hour is just like eh, this is it is, it exists. And that yeah. scene is like, okay, like this is intense. Like this was really well done. I, it, it kind of is, it brings in the moments that Blair, you know, again, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier about Bob Kessing, like you got to do the things that made these sort of, uh, films work yeah. is it gives you those tense moments where the characters are just frozen in fear and you're seeing them just like standing perfectly still, you know, completely, you know, frozen fear look on their face and waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah. And when I said at the beginning that I, I did think that this was a scarier film than the last one, uh, I didn't think there was really anything scary at all about the the haunting that, that we saw in the last film. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting take on that type of story. And I, you know, there yeah. there were moments that like, okay, there's a little bit of spook here, but like, it's not scary and it doesn't feel like it's meant to be. The thing is, I, I said, I like, I I don't believe in Bigfoot. That does that's not me saying that it cannot exist. I I know sure. much better than to definitively say one way or the other, uh, w- without any evidence. Uh, but I don't think that it does. I I think that the point that Kelly makes is like you know at some point by now we should have had some more tangible proof, even with how like big and wild the these woods are, like. We should have found something. Uh, but I am absolutely terrified of everything else. Uh, and so, like, <laughs> something throwing rocks at my my tent and walking around outside it and growling and slapping at it, whether it's people or bears or what, yeah, no, fuck that. Not, not for me. So uh, that was a little bit of a scary moment for me. Yeah, you know, and and you brought this up earlier about uh, the fact that we don't ever see yeah. uh, Bigfoot in this. It, we also don't ever see hints about Bigfoot. So I think some of the mistakes that another movie would make where it doesn't show the big villain is that still would show things that would imply mm-hmm. it is Bigfoot. Like you'd see a silhouette running in the background. Yep. You'd see the, the scratch marks, you know, like something that would say like, yep, it's the Bigfoot. This film, you leave the film and you literally do not know 
is this Bigfoot or is it people that end up coming? You know, obviously, you know, signs point to Bigfoot, but in the end, it's hard to tell because this could easily be those creepy people yeah. coming and killing these guys. Well, and like, you know, when they, they leave the tent at noon, you know, they ride out the night uh, safe somehow. Uh, they leave the, the tent at, uh, at dawn. I said noon. Um, and they pass by a, like a, a fallen tree and they see a clump of what looks like fur that maybe like, like caught on the, the stump and you see like some blood at the end where it like ripped out of the skin. And he's like, ah, oh, this is, this is it. This is my proof. And she's like, it's, it's hair. Can we go right. please? And then later they're walking by in like a Creek bed or something. And he, you know, sees these giant tracks, these giant footprints that look just like the classic, you know, book, big foot footprints that we're supposed to believe are real. Uh, which I love that uh, the the crew made those, uh, and then it left in too big of a hurry. They forgot to uh, erase them, and then it was like, ah, this is our biggest regret because <laughs> <laughs> somebody's going to be like, oh my god, yeah. it's big foot stuff, but it's really not. It was just the crew of Willow Creek. But yeah, other than that, they're really like we don't see anything that tells us definitively that there was a Bigfoot. Uh, and I think that the uh, the climax of the film like handles that in a really weird but really interesting way. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, so, you know, spoilers for the end of the movie. So once all this thing happens, they start running. You know, it's dawn. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to leave. They start running throughout the woods and they get uh, grabbed by something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the camera, you know, shakes. We hear the growl. You know, we see some blood splatter. The camera falls to the ground. You know, and then it does the quick, like, yanking, pulling thing, and we hear uh, Jim, uh, who, by the way, is on Pretty Little Liars, for those of you that uh, are Pretty Little Liars fans. He is Darren on Pretty Little Liars, so that's the thing he uh, he did after that, um, and, uh, uh, and coincidentally enough... Um, uh, Alexi Gilmore, who played Kelly, did in fact end up going to Hollywood, and uh, she's been in a few things. She's in Tacoma H uh, FD. Oh hell yeah! She was in the Magnum PI show. Uh, she was also in World's Greatest Dad. Oh my god! Uh, which you know was directed by that, and she's been in a few other sketch shows and stuff like that. She was in the Lethal Weapon TV series. I know exactly which character she is in Tacoma FD, and that's why I recognized her. That's hilarious. That's I awesome. Love it. Uh, now, surprisingly, I don't watch Pretty Little Liars, so I don't, uh, I didn't recognize it. A brave appearance in The Magicians, too. Oh, oh that's cool. You're fine. Uh, Magicians, that's a crazy show. Yeah. Uh, that, that's done, right? Like, yeah. that had its series yeah, it's, finale? it's over. Um, yeah. I thought, you know, I thought it was pretty well done for the most part. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, so we get the big moment, right? You know, where, you know, everybody supposedly dies and gets torn apart by the Bigfoot question mark. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I, I like about this movie, you know, to, to bring back my point is that you don't ever get any sort of definitive, even if it's blurry thing in the background, yeah. you never get any proof that this was a Bigfoot, like you literally don't know if it's Bigfoot or people. Well, and all, bear. all we do see, and this again, like is a, is a great nod to what was successful about the, the Blair Witch, that ending sequence where she finds Josh in the corner and then the, you know, the camera dies or whatever. Um, we know that there was a, 
you know, a, a missing woman who was who who got lost somewhere in these woods. They they find they're kind of cracking jokes about her missing poster at the diner, uh, just before Josh gets uh, Josh Jim. I'm still thinking about Blair Witch. Just before Jim gets yeah. knocked over and the camera gets knocked out of his hand and whatnot, and they like stumble out of the darkness into this fully nude woman who's covered in uh, I guess it's chocolate and cinnamon. Uh, <laughs> she's like bucket list accomplished. Uh, but she, you know, she's supposed to be dirty in the woods and like the previous night they had heard what sounded like you know, kelly even says it sounds like a, a human woman crying and yeah. just before they they run into this woman in the woods they hear that same noise it kind of sounds like what penelope's doing right now <laughs> She's like, uh, they they run into this fully nude woman and you realize like that's the woman from the the missing poster and then you know josh gets knocked over and you hear him basically being like torn apart and like strangled or whatever you hear the like which oh god it's kind of gross uh it was very gross sounding, and i yeah. i don't know which was more traumatic the noises of him being like ripped open or hearing kelly in the background screaming no help no <laughs> and it's like ah we don't we don't I, see what happens to either of them which i think is good and we don't want to see the monster and we don't want to see the death we just it needs to all be implied and that was nailed to a t yeah, yeah, completely. And that is, uh, so that is the second nude scene that we mentioned earlier, where, I, I mean, so here's here's the inference, right? Is it Bigfoot keeping sex slaves, or is it the human weird people keeping sex slaves, right? We don't know. Or is it a bear keeping sex slaves? I mean, we just, I don't know, man. We don't know anything. And that, that I think, is the smartest thing this film does, period. Is uh, Completely. It gives us it gives us no definitive closure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so uh, Willow Creek, right? Uh, streaming on Tubi TV, the third of our uh, uh, found footage films. So next we have As Above, So Below, um, <laughs> which I think is supposed to be really creepy. Yeah. And then uh, that one is a video on demand one. So for those of you people that uh, you know uh, follow along, you will need to rent that one. Um, and then after that, we're doing Hell House LLC, the director's cut, which is on uh, Tubi TV as well and casey has assured us uh will be uh particularly scary i'm i'm excited for that so should you watch this movie caleb what do you think i think i i can't enthusiastically recommend it but i think it's it's a it is a good example of the of the genre if not particularly a good film um and i think it's if anything, it's worth it for the back third, roughly. Uh, basically, once the the camping scene starts, that's really when the movie be, like finds itself. The characters like start to click, and things start to really work. The first half to me was so bad. I missed half of the the stories that people were telling because it just wasn't interesting. I skipped. Th- there was like two songs that people wrote about Bigfoot. I skipped those because they just annoyed the shit out of me. Uh, yeah. I just, the, the whole like first half, at least, if not like roughly two thirds of the film just wasn't interesting to me, but the ending nails the genre so well that maybe it's worth it. 
I completely agree with you. Uh, the the first two thirds of the movie, I was like, this is brutal. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is really hard to get through. And then up until the moment where they finally get to the campgrounds, mm-hmm. um, then everything. You know, I feel like the film should have had more of those moments of them in the campground. Like maybe one night it's just the banging. Yeah. Then the next night it's the rocks Some escalation. and banging. Yeah, but there really was like weird story, weird story. This is a really awkward couple. And then all of a sudden it's like, blam, Bigfoot rips you a half. And which I guess is a little more realistic. Um, but at the same time, maybe, I don't know, it's Bigfoot yeah. so nothing's realistic. <laughs> um, but like at the same time, it, it made the first, it made the first part of the movie, you know, kind of be like, this is boring. Yeah. Like nothing is really happening and I don't understand why I should care. Yeah. Um, but then once it does happen, you're like, got it. Okay. I understand now. Yep. Um, kind of a little bit, you know, uh, we talked about, uh, last week how the, the movie kind of like revved you up and then was like, aha, and switched it out on you mm-hmm. a couple times, mm-hmm. but it kept you engaged in the movie. Cause you're like, well, now I need to know what actually happened. This one, you, you know what you're getting. Like, you know how the movie's going to end. If you have, if you know, it's a couple go out looking for Bigfoot, yeah. you're like, well, obviously Bigfoot's going to kill them. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, you know, where it's going to go. Um, it should take you on a better journey. Yeah, the formula is Blair Witch, but the pacing and delivery of the the, the first half just just missed the mark. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think if found footage movies particularly are your jam, or if Bigfoot is your jam, uh, this is a really interesting installment. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, so Willow Creek, again, streaming on Tubi TV. Hey, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, make sure to do so. Um, you know, follow or whatever. We drop brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Uh, Thursdays being our bonus episodes. Right now, we're we're recapping She-Hulk as well as some other things. Whatever Casey's on, <laughs> it'll inevitably be about Star Trek. Uh, but Fair. we've been talking about She-Hulk. And, you know, coming up soon, we're going to talk about Werewolf by Night. Yes. Um, we're, we're going to talk about all sorts of different things. I'll be talking about Interview with a Vampire at some point in our bonus episodes. But it's all basically, you know, hey, what's going on in the stream and uh, entertainment world? And then uh, on top of that, we have our brand new episodes every Sunday. So hitting that subscribe button, super important. So you know when those two episodes drop. True. And of course... You can also watch us over on YouTube, nsrad.io slash YouTube for those bonus episodes. Yeah, bonus. Yeah. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And make sure to share with 100,000 of your creepy loner townspeople friends as well. Yeah, like put it on a poster and hang it up at the local diner. Like, you know, they'll, they'll get the word out. Yeah, missing Have You Heard This Podcast <laughs> with, with a picture of us. I think that's, yeah, Perfect. that's the way to do it. Yes. <laughs> so thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time.